0: I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to 2 Timothy 3, 4... uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 looking at verses 14 through 17 today we're looking at the law or excuse me the gospel according to Moses as we've been going through the book of Deuteronomy so naturally we're just going to go to second Timothy this morning right uh so uh but there's a purpose in all of this uh as we are looking at the law of Moses as uh, we're getting into it right last week we're, we started getting there and uh we're right down to the Ten Commandments, and then after we get through with the Ten Commandments, we're gonna break into the Deuteronomic law, and so we're getting into Old Testament law, and so I I thought today was a day that we needed to, to pause for just a second and answer an important question. We need to answer this question. Is the Old Testament law applicable to New Testament Christians? Is the Old Testament law applicable to New Testament Christians? Is it applicable to us? Does it apply to us? Right? And there's a lot of people who would say, no, it doesn't. Not in any way, shape, form, or fashion. That was the Old Covenant. We're under the New Covenant. And so we just kind of, we don't pay attention to the Old Testament law at all. We're under the law of Christ, the law of love. And so we just give no attention to the Old Testament law whatsoever. And There are many who are out there who would not even preach on the Old Testament law because it's irrelevant for the church. Now, that's just not the case, right? Uh, In some respects, yes, that was the Old Covenant, and we're no longer under the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant. We're under the New Covenant, the Covenant of Christ, but that doesn't just wipe away over half of our Bibles, right? We, we don't just sweep away half of our Bibles because we're under the New Covenant. That stuff still applies to us. Yes, we, we do have to remember the context. right? We have to remember the context. We have to remember the context of the Old Testament. We have to remember that as Moses is giving the Old Testament law, the law of God to the people of Israel, This was to the people of Israel, right? This was to a nation whom God had brought out of slavery and he was bringing them into the land of Canaan. He was giving them this land and he's giving them these laws to live by. And these laws were uh, not a condition of salvation because we've already talked about that. Salvation was by God's grace. God chose them and and delivered them by his grace out of slavery. So it, it wasn't a condition of salvation But it it does apply to the blessings that they would receive in the land of promise. So God says, I'm making this covenant with you. And if you keep my law, if you obey me and follow me, I will bless you in the land of Canaan. We're not Israel, right? We're not on the the shores of of, of, uh, the Jordan River. We're not preparing to cross over into the land of Canaan. and, And so we're not under that covenant. Nevertheless, we're going to see today that the law still applies to us as New Testament Christians. It applies to us in a different way. In our context, we understand that Christ has fulfilled the law. He has fulfilled the law. So we have to to view that. We have to view the Old Testament law in light of Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law, Jesus says. Or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. I haven't come to abolish them. I haven't come to do away with them. But I have come to fulfill them, he says. So the law is still applicable to Christians. It's still applicable to the people of God. We are still called to live in obedience to God's will. And we're called to conform to God's character. And so how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we know what God's character looks like? How are we to conform to his character? And that's the whole point of our text today. And so I want us to see that. So if you found your place there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. But as for you... for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come today to, to study your word and just, Lord, to discover how does the law apply to us? What can we learn from the law? How is it useful to us? Lord, open our hearts and our minds to see. Lord, let us see the wonderful value of your law as it is is given to us in Deuteronomy and and Leviticus and and Exodus. Lord, let us see the value of your law and learn how to apply it properly and appropriately to our lives as Christians following Jesus Christ. Lord, give give us that direction today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So, as we just look at our text, and this is kind of a little different uh, message today. I'm not going to be going line by line so much like I usually do. This is going to be more topical, more textual type of a sermon today. So, we're going to be going a little here and there and, and everywhere with different texts of Scripture. But let me just take a moment to explain what we have read here in 2 Timothy. We notice here that Paul tells Timothy he's talking about all Scripture. What does he say there? All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It is God breathed. Uh, he, He is saying that all Scripture is ultimately authored by God. All Scripture. All Scripture. Right? Not just the New Testament. He doesn't say, Timothy, just pay attention to what I'm telling you. Right, Don't pay attention to the, the letters I've written and, and what I've said and what Peter said and Mark said and, and all these other guys in the, the New Testament apostles. Don't just pay attention to them. He says all Scripture. All Scripture. Including the Old Testament. As, as he even said there before, uh, you're, acqui- you're acquainted with the sacred writings. That's the Old Testament. That was primarily the Old Testament. As Paul is writing this, he is he he is you know participating in the establishment of the New Testament. So the New Testament hasn't even finished yet, and Paul says, "Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God." Peter says it like this in Second Peter: he says that none of the men, none of the Old Testament prophets, no men, no man has ever written according to his own will. But as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit, as he was carried along, that's Second Peter, Peter 1, verse 21, the, the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles, as they were writing Scripture, they weren't writing according to their own will and desire. They weren't just kind of giving their thoughts on the universe and how things were. These are not the writings of men, but ultimately they were led by God. They were being carried along by the Holy Spirit so that what we have in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, is the very Word of God. This is God's Word. It's God-breathed. It is God's Word. And so all of Scripture is God's Word. Old Testament, New Testament, the Old Testament law, it's all a part of God's Word to God's people. And notice what else Paul says there, all of scripture is breathed out by God and profitable it is profitable it is useful it is useful for us as New Testament Christians it is useful for us all of the Old Testament all of the New Testament it is profitable it is useful for us and he says here's how it's profitable it is profitable for teaching and for reproof now those two ideas have to do with proper belief It's profitable for teaching right doctrine, right beliefs. And it's profitable for reproving wrong beliefs, wrong doctrines. Not only that, he says it's also profitable for correction and for training in righteousness. Those two words have to do with action. It is profitable for correcting bad behavior, evil behavior, wicked behavior, and for teaching for training good behavior righteous behavior and so scripture is is valuable right it's it's valuable to teach us right thoughts and right behaviors it is profitable for these two reasons and not only that as he alludes to up there uh in, in verse 14 oh timothy he was acquainted with the sacred scriptures which were uh, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, and so Scripture is profitable to bring us to the Lord, to bring us to salvation. People are changed. People are transformed. People are come to to faith in Jesus by hearing the Word of God read and preached. So the, the scriptures, all the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, are profitable for bringing people to faith, for teaching people right beliefs and right actions. So it's profitable for us. It is profitable for us. And so all of scripture is useful, including the Old Testament law. And so today I want us to see here that to, uh, we need to love God's law because the law reveals God and teaches us to live for his glory that's the sermon in the sentence today so if you don't get anything else get this love God's law love God's law the Old Testament law because the law reveals God and teaches us to live for his glory and I want us to see four uses of the Old Testament law As Next week, we'll start getting into the Old Testament law. Today, I want us to see four uses. These are not the only four uses. These are just kind of four major ones, right? So, I'm going to limit to these four. But we could also name a few others along the way as well. But there's four uses that we, as Christians, have for the Old Testament law. Now, as we think about this, and before we get into the four uses... I do want to start by saying what the law is not we need to be very clear on that that matter on that fact what the law is not because a lot of people get confused with this what the law is not now this is a little analogy that I read from Alistair Begg Alistair Begg gave this analogy and it was a good analogy so I'm going to use it today but what the law is not the law is not a ladder on which to climb to heaven okay the law is not a ladder on which we can climb our way up to heaven and up to God now this is the majority of you right this is if you go out in our world and you go out here on the street and and you ask somebody who maybe not maybe isn't a Christian and you ask them says what does it take to get to heaven and and an answer you might get is well you just got to do good right you just got to Uh, Keep the Ten Commandments. And and if you can keep the Ten Commandments the best you can, well, well then maybe you can get into heaven. A lot of people have that view, but that's not a proper view. That is not the right view. As we've said already, salvation is by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it was the same in the Old Testament. It was the same for the people of Israel. Salvation was not by their, their ability to keep the law. Salvation was by God's grace alone he graciously saved them from slavery the law wasn't a condition of their salvation the law just informed them in their relationship to god after salvation right it it helped them to learn how to conform themselves to his image and likeness and so it's not a ladder on which we climb our way to heaven Romans 3 20 says for by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin so the law cannot save us you cannot be justified you cannot be saved before God by doing the works of the law that will not save you so it's not a ladder but rather it is a mirror in which to examine ourselves It's a mirror in which we look and we examine our lives, we examine ourselves, we we see our flaws. We we might can correct some of those flaws. Some of them we can't, right? But we examine ourselves through the law. In fact, this is what James says about the law. James chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his face in in a mirror... For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So the law is like a mirror. We look into the mirror, and, and we look, we get up in the morning. A lot of y'all got up this morning, and you went to the bathroom, and you looked at the mirror, and you said, "Whoo, man, I got some work to do. Right? Hairs all shuffled this way and that way, and, and makeup smeared, and, and just different things. Uh, the things were wrong, and so yeah, I got some work to do. I see the flaws, and now I got to get to work and kind of uh, make something good out of all this, right? And, and so you get to work, and, and you work things out. That's the law. It, it, it's a mirror. We look at ourselves in the mirror of the law and say, Woo, man, I'm messed up. I'm messed up. And I need some help getting, getting things fixed up here. And so the, mirror, the law is not a ladder, but it's more like a mirror in which we look to correct ourselves. So now with that in mind, now let us get into these four uses. And the first use of the Old Testament law that I want to point out here is that the law reveals God's character. The law reveals God's character. So a lot of us have social media accounts, right? Now, not all of us. I know not all of us have social media. Ken cer- certainly doesn't have social media. <laughs> he he's, he's, don't want any part of that. But but a lot of us here have social media accounts. Some of you just have it to to look at friends' pictures and whatever. And I get that. Uh, but w- we kind of have an idea when, when you have a, when you build your social media account when you go to Facebook and, and you start building your account. Well, it actually ask you questions about yourself and you have your profile page and so your profile page tells people your family your friends whoever likes you or whatever it tells them who you are it tells them a little bit of something about you when you were born and who you're in a relationship with and and this that and the other it's your profile page it's about you well, the law, in, in a kind of a way, the law is God's profile page. Right? It, it reveals a little bit about his character. It reveals who he is, what he is like, what he likes and dislikes. So if we don't have the law, then we might not know a whole lot about God, right? We might not know much about him because law, God is a spirit, and we can't see him, we can't observe him, but his word reveals him to us. And so in the Old Testament law, we see God's character coming out. We see his character laid out for us. Think about this, Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45. God says, For I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy you shall be holy as i the lord your god is holy now how are we to be holy what does holiness look like well to answer that question god gives the law right that's right in the middle of of the law now it's given in leviticus how do we know what god looks like how are we to be holy as the lord our god is holy we follow the law romans chapter 7 verse 12 so the law is holy And the commandment is holy and righteous and good. So if God is holy and we're to be holy, how are we to be holy as God is holy? We're to obey the law. We're to conform to the law because the law reveals God's character, his nature to us, his moral character to us. And so the law reveals God's character. We can know God. And we can be conformed to God's character by studying and applying the law to our lives. Now, we do that in context, of course, but uh, that's how we know God. We learn God, know God more through his law. Second, the law convicts the sinner's heart. The law convicts the sinner's heart. We saw that in our our Second Timothy passage again. Let me go there. Second Timothy, chapter uh, two, verse four. Uh, chapter three, verse fourteen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in in Christ Jesus the law makes us wise for salvation it makes us wild, wise for salvation it convicts us it convicts us of sin it convicts us of our wrongdoings now back in the old testament in second uh, kings we have a record of josiah's reforms now uh, back in josiah's day king josiah he was one of the descendants of david many of you know that but Josiah, he was way on down the line there. And just a little bit before Israel goes into, or Judah goes into exile. But in Josiah's day, Josiah is one of the righteous kings. He was one of the righteous kings. And, and so he wanted, he desired to follow God. He, he desired to live in obedience to God. So when he came into power, what he did was he, he set the priest out to make renovations on the house of the Lord, the temple of God there. Because Uh, There had been some bad kings before him and they gave no attention to the to the temple And so it was in ill repair. It was falling apart And so josiah said go in and take the offering that's been given and, And go in and repair the house of the lord And so as they go in they begin to repair the house of the lord the high priest He finds god's word He finds god's law Now this is kind of strange to us you think about the temple Well, certainly the law was in God's temple, but not in Josiah's day. It wasn't there. It had been missing for years and years and years. They didn't have the law. They were just kind of going through the motions, right? They were just keeping the ceremonial things up, and they were kind of doing that thing. They were doing what they they had been taught by their parents and that sort of thing. But they had lost the word of God. And now the high priest, he finds God's word. He finds God's law. And so they take it. He gives it to the secretary, the king's secretary. And the king's secretary, he brings it to King Josiah, and he reads it to King Josiah. And what happens when King Josiah hears the word of the law? There in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes, he tore his clothes. He ripped his garments. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam uh, uh, the son of uh, Shephan and Echbar the son of Micaiah and Shephan the secretary and Asaiah the king's servant saying go inquire of the Lord for me for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. As Josiah read the law, as he heard the law read to him, he tore his garments because his heart was convicted He and the people of Israel had sinned against God. God's law convicts the sinner's heart. It convicts the sinner's heart. As we come to to hear God's law and see what God expects for his people, it convicts our hearts when we see wrongdoing in our own life. It convicts us. It reveals sinful actions. It reveals sinful actions, Romans 7, 7 what then shall we say paul says that the law is sin by no means yet if it had not been for the law i would not have known sin for i would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet you see the law teaches us what sin is it teaches us what what evil is we don't know that unless we have God's law to teach us that. And so the law reveals sinful actions. But not only that, the law also re- uh, reveals sinful motives. That's what it's meant to do. It's also meant to, re- to reveal sinful motives. Jesus tells us this in Matthew five twenty seven through 28. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus tells us that not only is is the law supposed to point out, reveal sinful actions, but it's also meant to reveal sinful motives, sinful desires, because it's not just the act that's sin before God, it's the desire to sin that is sin before God. And so the law reveals sin to us. It reveals sin to us. It it points out the evil in our own lives so that when we hear it, our heart is cut. We become convicted and we turn to the Lord. So the law convicts the sinner's heart the law reveals sin and convicts our our very hearts this leads us to the law's third use the law reveals the law convicts and third the law anticipates christ the law anticipates christ it makes us anticipate christ now george straight is the greatest country music singer of all time you may not agree with that and you can be wrong if you want to but george Strait is king right he is king of country that's why they call him king george he's king of country and i can remember as a kid growing up and and i used to listen to all george Strait all the time in my radio all the time so I listened to George, and I always wanted to go see George in concert. And back in that day, he was still touring quite a bit, and he was, he was even on the rodeo circuit. So he, he came and played the uh, uh, Arkansas State Fair and Rodeo just about every year. And I always wanted to go, but we never could go on the night that George was playing. And so I never got to see George. And, of course, you know, George retired and, and came, well, semi-retired, and he was only playing two or three uh, concerts a year so I thought well I'll, I'll never get to see George in concert well here a couple of years ago Gabby she tried to surprise me and, and buy me tickets to go see George way up in, in uh, Minnesota I think is where where it was and we were gonna go up there and as family and go see George and and you know strike that off my bucket list well that was 2020 and COVID hit and that trip got canceled so don't get to go see George well Last year, because of all of, his, you know, all of his concerts got canceled in 2020, last year he announced uh, an extended concert. And so now he's going to hit more states than he's done in, in several years. And, and guess what? He's coming to Arkansas. And so when I heard George Strait was coming to Arkansas, I started anticipating going to see George in concert because that's on my bucket list. I want to see George in concert. And so I began to anticipate that. And then when the, the tickets went on sale, I was sitting there at my computer, and I missed out on the first round. So, uh, you know, after taking out a small loan, we, I finally ended up with some tickets. Not really, but it was quite expensive. I'll, I'll say I've never paid that much for tickets, and I'll never pay that much for tickets again. But we're going to see George, right? We've got the tickets. They've been purchased, and so now I'm really anticipating seeing George in concert. I can't wait to go, man. I'm excited. next month we'll be there so uh, I'm anticipating that I'm anticipating I'm anticipating the law causes us to anticipate Christ it draws us to Christ it makes us long for Christ we anticipate Christ you see as we begin to read through the law the law causes us to anticipate the need of a Savior. It causes us to, to anticipate the need for a Savior as we're confronted with sin. And we, we see our inability to keep the law perfectly. We see that we need a Savior and as the law provides, you know, the, 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 the sacrifice of atonement, and we see that sacrifice having to take place every year, year after year, over and over and over again, it causes us to anticipate the time when God will send one who will be a sacrifice for all at one time. It causes us to anticipate a Savior. And it causes us to anticipate a savior who would be king a perfect king who would come and live in perfect obedience to God's law in fact in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 17 we'll get there eventually but Deuteronomy chapter 17 verses 8, 8 through 20 here is the law of God concerning the king of Israel here the the word of god the word says, and when he sits when the king sits on the throne when the king that i choose god says in a few verses earlier there the king that i will choose for my people when this king sits on his throne the throne of his kingdom he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the levitical priest And it shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping, by keeping, notice this, by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers and that he may not turn, turn aside from the commandment either to the right hand or to the left so that he may continue long in his kingdom he and his children in Israel well you know what as you leave Deuteronomy and you go to Joshua and then kings and the chronicles and you read the history of all the kings of Israel Let's, let's start with David let's not even forget about Saul but let's start with david king David, because king david was the king that god chose for israel this is a man after my my own heart god says and look at the the reign of david did david did he follow all of the law of god no he committed adultery and and uh, uh murder he committed all kinds of sin against god go to solomon did he keep the law perfectly no he didn't you go on down the line not one king in israel ever obeyed the law of god perfectly and so in the law we have this anticipation of a savior a saving king who would come to his people and he would obey the law perfectly and establish his kingdom for all of eternity and we don't realize that until Jesus is born. And Jesus lives a life in perfect obedience to the will of God. And though he was without sin, he willingly went to Calvary's cross where he saved us. He fought sin and he fought death in our place. He paid the penalty for us. So that we might have salvation in Him. So that we might gain perfect righteousness right through Him. Oh, the law anticipates Jesus. It anticipates His his coming. Dying to save us. Resurrected to give us eternal, eternal life. Oh, the law points us to Jesus. No, not only, only that, the law doesn't, doesn't point us to Jesus, it drives us to Jesus. When we begin to examine ourselves in the law, when we begin to use it as a mirror, and we see all, of these, all of these lines that are deep our, our forehead, the sin, we can't do anything about that. No amount of makeup can cover the, the wrinkles in our face because of sin. But Jesus can. Jesus can. He gives us a new face. He gives us His righteousness. His perfect righteousness. Oh, praise God. The law drives us to Jesus Christ. So the law reveals God it convicts us of sin and it it causes us to anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ and forth the law teaches how to love God and love others the law teaches us how to love God and love others now here last month we went skiing we on a little vacation and we went skiing and Gabby and Blaine and uh, Brendan They all went and they wanted to snowboard. None of them has ever snowboarded ever in their lives. Gabby skied a little bit one time before, but but they knew nothing about snowboarding. Now imagine if I'd have said, all right, well grab your snowboards and let's go to the top of the mountain. And I get them up there to the top of the mountain. They look at me and say, all right, what do we do? Ski down the mountain. Well, how do we do that? Just ski down the mountain. Just go ski down the mountain, right? What use would that be to them, right? They would break their necks trying to ski down the mountain. They needed instruction. They needed to learn how to turn and how to do this and that. I don't know anything about snowboarding, but but they had to learn all of that, right? They had to go to ski school so they could get instruction on how to put the board on and how to take it off and how to how to maneuver in it they had to have instruction and you see that's the problem a lot of people today and i hear this over and over again even like smart people right they say oh we don't need the law we just need the law of christ what's the law of christ love god and love others that's all we need really is that it how do we love? What does that love look like? What does love look like? We don't know how to love. We're, we're As sinners, we don't know how to love. We only love because God loves us, right? We don't know how to love. We need to be taught how to love. And let me tell you, I, I've been around a while and, and, and some people have told me some outrageous things about how to love people that it's not according to God's word, right? It's not according to what God says love is, but they say it's love. Because they're just doing what feels right. I mean, you think about let's go back here a few years, 60s and 70s, to the whole everybody love movement. Right? Love everybody. And y'all know what they a lot of them meant by love everybody. It was just a free love fest. That's not biblical. Is that how you love? According to God's word, that's not how you love. How do you love? That's what the law tells us. That's what the law tells us. The law shows us how to love. Jesus says, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Right. What is the greatest commandment? And he answered you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind that comes from deuteronomy chapter six verse five this is the the great and the first commandment he says and second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself that comes from Le- leviticus 19 18. on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets all of the law all of the old testament jesus is saying because none of the new testament had been written at that point All of the Old Testament is meant to teach us how to love God and how to love others. When you look at the Ten Commandments, they're broken into two halves. One half of the law tells you how to love God. The other half of the law tells you how to love others. And as we're going to see when we get into the Deuteronomic law, all of the Deuteronomic law flows out of the Ten Commandments, how to love God and how to love others. And so God's law teaches us. It doesn't just say, all right, go out and love everybody. God's law says, here's how that looks. So that you don't make any mistakes. And you don't fall into sin trying to love others. I'm going to show you, God says, I'm going to show you what love looks like. And so God's law teaches us to love God and love others so as we begin to get into god's law next week i want us to love learn and live god's law that's going to be our aim we want to love learn study and learn and then live out god's law yes it's going to look different for us than it did for old testament israel but we're still gonna apply it to our lives and we're gonna live out God's law today. To so love God's law, the law reveals God and it teaches us how to live for His glory, how to love Him and how to love others. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, The law really does nothing for you other than to show you your sin, convict you of your sin, and drive you to Jesus. That's the only use of the law that is good for you. The law shows you that you are a sinner and that you deserve God's judgment because of your sin. But it also shows you that there is a Savior who God sent his own son Jesus Christ who lived out God's law perfectly for you and he died for you so that you might have life in him and all you need to do is its not go start doing the things of the law no what you need to do is repent from your sin turn away from your sin turn to Jesus Christ and trust in him that's it Surrender to Jesus today. And he'll save you. Conforming to the law comes after that, right? Conforming to God's character comes after that. But start by trusting in Jesus and he'll give you the power to conform to his image. Trust in Jesus today. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your law and thank you that We can see you have shown us and directed us, given us uh, an idea of how it is meant to to be profitable to us, Lord. So, Lord, let us not come to this thinking it no longer applies. But, Lord, as we come to the law next week and the the weeks following today, Lord, as we come to the law, as we begin to dig into it deeper and deeper, as we go through it, Lord, let this be our prayer, God that you would teach us how your law applies to us today in our time in our place lord lord we pray that it would convict us of of sin in our lives that we might turn direction and change from that and conform to your image and your likeness oh lord let it build even greater anticipation of of Jesus and his next coming when he will wipe away sin permanently and make all things new and Lord let us learn let us learn how to love you and love others more effectively Lord God if there's anybody today who's never trusted in Jesus then Lord I pray that today they would be convicted of their sin and driven to Christ, and find salvation in Him. And this I pray in Christ's name. Amen.